You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Friday. We're in the Farm Bureau studios. I'm Charlie Winfield. He's Bart Gregory. This is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. First time these two have played in Starkville in five years. First time they've played each other in two years, last meeting in Omaha. And the Commodores, Coach Tim Corbin coming to town, Bart, and they're bringing a lot of left-handers to take the mound with them. Well, and I don't know if that's a good thing or not because you look at our difficulties early in the season against left-handers. Now, we've been better in the last couple of weeks against left-handers, but only batting 271 against the lefties. But, hey, the lefties they're bringing to start this weekend. They're not stock lefties. No, they're not. <laughs> These guys are not prefab. These guys are big time. Oh, boy. Hey, this is a Vanderbilt team, and we'll jump into this quickly, Bart, but what do we'll note that we are at the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Startville. It's a pretty day. The weather outside is great right now. It is very comfortable. That's going to change tonight at some time, probably around 8. But this is one, I'll just say this, uh, when the game's over, get your things and get to your car. <laughs> because yeah. um, there's going to be a lot of storms tonight, but it looks like we're going to be able to get the game in. And that's a good thing. Move it up a little bit. Five o'clock, first pitch start today. And so then we'll kind of see how Sunday looks as well. Sunday looks kind of tough as well on the weather. Tomorrow looks great. But I think we should be okay. Hopefully we'll have a quick game tonight. Games are beginning to move. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit this morning, Charlie, a little bit ahead of myself a little bit. But it seems like the games now, the pitchers are understanding the pitch clock a little bit more. And we said that, that I thought that bothered pitchers early on. But it seems like games are getting more in a rhythm now. I think two things jump out at me about that. I think Vanderbilt's pitching staff is one that generally works fast even within a pitch clock era meaning they're not taking it down to 19, 20 and throwing. They're going pretty quick. As a defensive player, you love that. The other thing about it, though, is I think pitchers are starting to understand that the pitch clock actually favors them if they'll change their mentality. One is the thing that we have seen over the years, batters when a pitcher's rolling, stepping out, adjusting the gloves, looking down at third. How many times do we see – pitching ninja on Twitter with videos of the guy, the pitcher, basically ready to throw and the guy's still standing there looking at the third base coach. Now, as a pitcher, that tool has been taken out of the batter's hands. The batter can't control the pace of the game anymore. You can. And if you're on a roll, there is no chance to step away from the batter and clear their head. I think when the year is over, pitchers are going to look back and say, you know what, I was wrong, this was a good thing. Yeah, and I, and I think they give up something with the strike zone. So I think that's the thing that, that teeters back toward the batter. I think it's a good thing if you're rolling. I mean, if you're, if you're rolling, you want to go as fast as you can. It's building that momentum. But if you ever hit a roadblock and you need, you never have that chance to take that deep breath, that's the bad thing. The thing about Vanderbilt with their starting pitching 
is they hadn't had to take a deep breath. No, I mean, not very often, have they? No, they haven't. They beat two beat UCLA two out of three games early in the year. UCLA is the top-ranked team in the country as far as RPI here early in the year, whether you take RPI into context through 20 games. But you look at this record for Vanderbilt going into last weekend, and you were like, you know what, is this Vanderbilt team any good? They are. Oh, yeah, they are. They're probably playing a little bit ahead of the – you know, last weekend they probably hit it as good as they can hit it. And this pitching staff is good enough to overcome a suboptimal offense. And last weekend they pounded it. And if they come in hitting, they're going to be tough to beat. This is a game that if you give up a four spot in the first, you're toast. And I know that can't be your mentality going in. But look at their starting pitching, and we'll we'll dig into the pitchers, but here's one of the things that jumps out at me. There are no blow-up games. Out of 15 combined starts, only once has a Vanderbilt starting pitcher, one of the pitchers they'll be starting this weekend, one of these guys from their rotation. So 15 combined starts, only one time has one of those guys allowed more than three runs. And, in fact, only twice have they allowed as many as three. This is a, a a pitching staff, ERA of 3, 2.2, and 2.29. Runs are going to be at a premium here this weekend. Yeah, they are. You hope they are because they have established themselves as strike throwers. And you see what they're going to do on the mound with those left-handers. Owen in game two last week against <laughs> Ole Miss gosh. was as good a pitching performance as you'll see in the SEC. I mean, that guy threw a complete game last week, gave it, what, two hits? And walked one. He threw 96 pitches and 68 strikes. He filled it up. In nine innings. Yeah. So, I mean, they are. this is not going – now, let me ask you this question. You see what they did last weekend. And hey, you look around the league last week, Auburn didn't play well at Arkansas. Tennessee did not play well at Missouri. We had four sweeps in the league last week? Five. Five. South Carolina beat Georgia. I thought that was on the road. But, I mean, man, you start looking around. Of course, we didn't play well at all at Kentucky. We did not play well. Kentucky. I thought Kentucky played a little bit above themselves. We did not play as well as we can play. Would right, you well, agree The gap that? was still pretty big. The gap. So, <laughs> I mean, well, if we'd have just played a little. No. Um, no, I thought Kentucky. Kentucky's still one of those teams. Here's what I would say when you look at these teams right now around the league. There are some teams who we saw put up good records, and we were still thinking to ourselves, this team probably isn't that good. Take Alabama. Yeah. On the other hand, there's Vanderbilt, who I think I was guilty a couple of weeks ago looking at Vanderbilt and looking at their hitting numbers and looking at their overall record and saying this team's lost five games without paying enough attention to what they were playing. This is a team that took two out of three from UCLA – who, by the way, has the number one RPI in college baseball right now, if, if, if you get into that kind of thing. Point being, if you look at Vanderbilt's schedule, they've been playing a lot of power five teams. They hadn't had a lot of layups even in the midweek, and they didn't get to play this weekend. I think they played, what, three innings before the, the storms came and didn't get to finish a game. So, yeah, this team's good. Here's that you texted me this on the way up, one of the things that had jumped out to you. Last weekend, in a series, they dominate. <laughs> they use six pitchers. Yeah. And that speaks to two things, I think. One is how they didn't have to tax their bullpen at all. 
Two, you wonder how big the circle of trust is. Now, this team that pitches it great, but you wonder, are those the six guys we trust? I don't think so. I think they left some really good arms on the shelf, to be honest with you. Yeah, the Vanderbilt people I talked to said that they felt like they had six more guys they could have used. So but, they think the circle of trust is about 10 to 12. I mean, it's uh, – I think what we will see is a team – well, I don't know how we will react. I don't know how they will perform against us. Here is what I would say about Vanderbilt. At the end of the year, this is a team that, barring injury, is going to be able to pitch themselves deep into the season, deep into the postseason, because they have good, reliable, dependable starting pitching. All these guys – Every one of these guys in their starting lineup have a start against a ranked team. Two of them have starts against multiple ranked teams. So these numbers aren't just made up. Their bullpen is very good. I think the question is going to be, and if anybody followed college baseball two years ago, you remember Enrique Bradfield because that oh, yeah. guy was – he covers as much ground in center field as, as you'll see. If he can get back to getting on base – at the level. In fact, we used to do our numbers. You know, football season, Bart, we, we each have our three numbers we give. I'm going to give you a number right now. If Enrique, Enrique Bradfield gets on base 40% of the time or more, which is what we've been allowing, by the way, to lead off guys. But if he gets on base 40% or more, we lose. I, I can't because he just wreaks havoc on the bases. He's stolen 15 bases this year. I mean, and he was great as a freshman. And they got some Parker Nolan's back. I mean, they've got some guys back in the, that, that we saw a couple years ago in the National Championship Series. What do you make of Bradfield being thrown out four times this year? I think teams just probably have geared up. And you don't know whether that's a slide step or a fastball high. And, you know, it's a good pitch to throw on. But he's been picked off some. So, I don't know if it's if he's – you hate to use the term trying too much. Well, you, but here's the other thing you wonder is, and this is what scares and should scare a Mississippi State fan, is this a team who has just made the conscious decision we're going to live with being thrown out some. We're going to live with being picked off some. But what we're going to do in return is make you execute defensively. Think first and third. Well, therein lies the question. So what do you do and how do you defend that? Okay, you've got – You've got Highfield, who's a better thrower. You've got Hancock, who's a better receiver. And so then how do you defend it? Do you want to give up base runners on, you know, a wild pitch or a pass ball right now? Or do you want to give up the base on a stolen base? I'll tell you right now, if we see a situation where Bradfield is at third base, I don't care if it were you or me running from first. I'm not throwing it down. Oh, no. And that is so – that goes against everything any coach who has any ego about themselves at all would say. At this level, we're not willing to make a throw down to second base. But I'll tell you why. Because I, you coach to win, right? And if you're going to take an honest assessment of this team right now, we're going to have a hard time executing a throw down to second base and getting it back in time for Bradfield not to score. Well, and it goes along that point of you don't want to give up that run because you think – with the pitching that you're going to see that runs are at a premium, that you just can't afford to give up and give away any runs. And that's the thing about Vanderbilt last weekend offensively. And we'll kind of talk about the matchups and how does that affect us. You know, what do we do? But 
you look at Vanderbilt last weekend, and they scored all those runs against Ole Miss. They only scored one unearned run. They scored 27 runs. 26 were earned. And so the, that's the thing. They they put the ball – they sprayed the ball around the ballpark last weekend. And, and they just, weren't like – you know, sometimes you get the Ron Polk, that's baseball. Guys just put it in play, and you get some bleeders through the left side. It wasn't that. No, they were squaring it up. Now, it goes back to the whole thing, the Ron Polk of hitting is contagious and, you know, losing is contagious. Everything is contagious in this game. All right, so how does that affect us? So you, you look at Vanderbilt, and this is a team offensively. Shrek at the top, you know, Shrek is batting 329. You've got Polk batting 319. Those are the only two guys in the everyday lineup that are batting over 300. Now, they hit it well last weekend. That's why I'm saying last week is last weekend the outlier. Uh, the or pe- maybe it's not the outlier. Here, here's what I'd say is maybe it's the product of a team that's faced really good pitching this year who made the conscious decision early to play a very difficult schedule by comparison. I'm not saying they're playing the AL East or anything, but they've played some good teams. And so my question is, is that the natural byproduct of playing ranked teams early? Is you're going to scuffle a little bit at the plate, but – by the time SEC play rolls around, you're ready. To, you're ready to hit. Well, yeah, I agree with that. Because look at these games. You go back and look at the scores. This they they beat Oklahoma State. They beat Texas. Um, here's their three game set with UCLA. They win six to nothing. Lose three to nothing. Win two to one. They beat Minnesota four to nothing. Beat Maryland eight to seven. I mean, they've been in some tight tight ball games. I, I just wonder if they aren't. Haven't built for this to some degree. Yeah. Um, the pitches they hit last weekend, two weeks ago they lost two out of three against Loyola Marymount. And so that was their last non-conference weekend. And then last weekend – No, they, they won two out of three. Well, they won two out of three. Yeah, they, they dropped the, that last game. But they did season. not play as well that weekend. No, in fact, it was a two-to-one win, a two-to-nothing win, and then they lose nine-to-six. And that, quite honestly, was the thing in my mind of thinking, this team can't hit. Yeah, and so last weekend, when they scuffled a little bit chasing pitches, and especially in midweek games, they lost to Central Arkansas the midweek a couple of weeks ago. They've done done a lot of chasing down with breaking balls, but it was almost like last weekend they were going hunting. And it goes back to the point about how how we pitched this weekend, and a little bit about what Jay Powell said to us yesterday about how how are we going to pitch Vanderbilt? Are you going to try to get them? down with sliders because last weekend they didn't swing at spin. They did not swing at breaking ball last weekend. Are they going to force you to throw fastballs? And so what do you do? If you know you've got a team going up there hunting fastballs, but for Charlie, for us, I think you've got to just go up there like Jay said yesterday and try to pound fastballs and just try to get ahead because you just had the difficulties throwing strikes. Isn't out number one. The most important thing, and you brought up a point with Jay, and that was talking about all walks aren't the same. Isn't the worst thing that can happen to Mississippi State against a team like Vanderbilt the leadoff walk? I mean, this feels like a team that can manufacture some runs. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying, you know, I think you're going to see a lot tonight in the first inning. You know, we got Gerangelo going. I don't care, and I, this is going to sound terrible. This is going to sound very – elementary, but Charlie, I got no problem whatsoever the first at-bat of the game tonight against Bradfield 
of trying to throw nothing but fastballs right down the middle. No, I can live with that. Hey, if he puts in play, if he sends one over the second low uh, level of the right field lounge, I'm okay with that. I'm just I'm telling you, I am not giving that guy first base on a walk. And then to be honest, I'm I'm same way just about every inning. Is you just cannot afford to give up any kind of free pass. Now, okay, so you talk about left-handed pitching with Vanderbilt. What does that do to our lineup? Mershon drew the start at third base in the midweek. So do you throw Mershon back out there at third? That'll turn him around and he'll bat from the right side. So you during the midweek, so do you see Aaron Downs again as your DH? I would think so because he – I thought I mean, he, if that was an audition, then yeah, he earned the spot. I thought he did too. And so, you know, if, if that's the case – but you I, don't really have any lefties you're going to sit, right? Because you can't take Hunter Hines out of the lineup. That's what I was about to say. So, I, I guess that you may – can't take Luke Hancock out of the lineup. I guess you should have to ask yourself the question, is if Downs is a guy in the lineup, that means Highfield is an odd man out. You would have to say. Yeah, I would think so. I'm a little surprised that we didn't see Downs at third base last week. Are you really? I mean, in the midweek. Wouldn't you have thought maybe we just – Give it a look and see. I mean, I know they, they see it more, but the the challenge with a guy who doesn't have a position is you're really limited in how you can use them, right? Right. I mean, one of the advantages is the guy that can play multiple outfield spots. You can move him around. The guy that can play a little third, you can move him around. In that DH spot, when you deal with what we have at first and catcher, where you got three guys you'd like in the lineup but two spots to put them, because do you really want to DH Hines today? You don't really want to use your DH spot on a lefty, do you? Well, that was – but you can't take him out of the lineup. We moved him up in the lineup the other night, put him in the three spot in the order. Is that the first time this year we've seen Hunter that high up I in the order? I think so. Which I kind of like. He's kind of seeing the ball better than anybody. He's got the power. Put him in the three spot in the order. I don't know. That's uh, That'll be a good question. Hey, of course, this is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Tracks Plus, five locations, heavy equipment, excavators, mini excavators, the rental business for the weekend warriors out there. If you're starting a business and you want to do some mulching, a little side job right there, you can get you a skid steer with a mulching head. Charlie can tell you how to drive one of those. Does a great job turning some wheelies with that. Hey, we need a backup performance from you. That's what we need. We've gone a couple of years of just talking about the one performance. We need a backup performance. Well, I actually need to do some work with a heavy piece of machinery around my home. I've got a little dirt that needs moving. So I would like not just merely an exhibition. No. I'm ready to see this like as an act. I'm ready for, I'm ready for game time. I don't think Chad Tillman, who heads the rental department, is going to allow you to rent that piece of equipment. I bet he would. I bet he would. I think he would rent it to me and say, Bart, okay, if, if no children are around, you can let Charlie get on it for like two seconds. All right? So that's uh, that's our friends at Tracks Plus. So I can come over and I can tear down the trees and move the dirt if you need me to move the dirt. All right, well. And we, we can we – can, I'm gonna We're going to have a side bet on this. We've got our weight loss challenge going, but we're going to have a side bet. I am betting that Tracks Plus 
will be willing to lease me a piece of machinery. Okay. All right. I may have to talk to Chad today. All right. So we normally right now, Bart, look at our pitching matchups. And we've talked a little bit about Vanderbilt, and the pitching for Vanderbilt is good. Um, it's it's really good. And, in fact, if you start to look around the league, and everything skews Vanderbilt's way if you look at SEC-only stats because we only had one weekend and they dominated their opponent. Ole Miss last week against Vanderbilt hit just 149 as a team. That will help anybody's pitching numbers. But if you look at this Vanderbilt team throughout the league – they have been really good on the mound against some good competition. We talked about Hunter Owen, who had that big middle game. It was a Friday game, but in the middle of the series last week, being so good. But they're going to open the weekend with Carter Holton. He's a left-handed pitcher, like all their weekend starters. Sophomore. When I look at Holton, I think of kind of a throwback guy. This is a guy who pitches. I mean, obviously he has – Really good stuff. He went six innings last week against Ole Miss, allowed two hits. Excuse me, allowed six hits. Didn't walk anybody, allowed two earned runs. Um, The thing I think I'd say about Holton is he's been consistently really good. I mean, he doesn't leap off me, say, like a lighter or a rocker or somebody like that, but he's been consistently really good. Yeah, his first start of the year against TCU, he gave up two runs on four hits and three and two-thirds work. That was his shortest outing of the season. Had a couple wild pitches. TCU jumped on them early and went on to win, scored a bunch of runs late in that game and won 11-4. But over the last few starts against Loyola Marymount, you know, one run on three hits. Against Ole Miss, two runs, six hits. But he doesn't walk anybody. 30 strikeouts and just seven walks. And three of those seven walks came against UCLA in his second outing of the year. But yeah, about five of his seven walks came in the first two first starts. two games. Yeah, and yeah so, In the in the last three games, he's walked two people. Yeah, nineteen strikeouts and two walks in the last four outings, last three outings. But against TCU, he only gave up one hit in the five and two thirds, and so he was really good that day. So yeah, Holton is going to be the tone setter in the game tonight, and then Hunter Owen, who was the SEC pitcher of the week this past week. A two-hit shutout against Ole Miss last week, 11 strikeouts and one walk last weekend. Overall, he's 35-9 and nine with his walks. He's only walked one guy in the last two starts. In the last 15 innings he's pitched, he's walked one guy, and that's it. And so you've got Owen. And then Futrell in the game on Sunday, if you play that game on Sunday, or game three, I don't know if you're going to play a doubleheader, what the situation is this weekend. You never know with the weather. But – Futural is a guy that you just try to get to the bridge. You just try to get him to the fourth or fifth inning. Last week against Ole Miss, he gave you know he gave you five innings for Vanderbilt, gave up two runs on three hits, and so he he's more of a three four five inning guy in the Sunday game. And we haven't talked about Maldonado on the back end. They've got a guy who may be one of the most dominant closers in college baseball, Maldonado, and we saw him a couple of years ago. So that's what you know, the, he wasn't as good last year. No, he wasn't. I think he was. I think he was battling some injuries, but his stuff looks really good right now. So then you look at us tonight. We're going Gerangelo. Gerangelo has had a slow start his last few starts, but he has really you know, put it together in innings two through five. 
tonight's the night, like you just said, Charlie, tonight's the night you can't come out slow. Tonight's the night that that you can ill afford to give up any walks, any runs early in the game because you don't want Holton pitching with a lead. Let me ask you this question. If you're making out a lineup against Gerangelo, do you stack it with left-handed hitters to make him throw from the left side? I might. <laughs> you know, you don't normally think of forcing a guy. You know, it's not many times you say, boy, I want this left-on-left matchup as a hitter. But then he, he just seems a little more comfortable from the right to me. And his stuff is really good from the right. He's got movement with 95 from the right. It's 90, 92 left side, but it's a lot of sweep with breaking. It just seems to me like he hasn't found that release point perfectly with that left-handed slider. I agree with that. Now, we say that, and he'll come out tonight from the left side. And Oh, and this is, hey, that's not a knock at all. And it's still just crazy to even think about pitching at the highest level of college baseball with two hands. No, because here's the thing. It's – Ultimately, you're going to have to bat against him right on right or left on left. Which would you rather have? I think I'd take my chances left on left where I could. Game two, Landon Gartman pitched him in game two last weekend. I don't love Gartman in game two, by the way. I I really like Gartman in game three. Now, here's the challenge, though. There's a chance we don't play Sunday, right, with the weather. Yeah, you got a high percentage of rain on Sunday. And so then the question is, do you really want to go through a weekend and not pitch him? Yeah. What do you do with Dome? I'd like to start him now that Nixon's back. I think – and I, I have not been told this. I think we would like to start him. I think it all becomes a factor, though, of what – do you feel like you can get a win? This team needs a win in the worst way possible. And if you find yourself in a ball game tonight where you're up 2-1 to one in the sixth, don't you have to go to Dome? I think you do. That then is what undermines the ability to say, hey, let's start him on Sunday. Now, if you go out and you're up 5-1, to one, you don't necessarily have to go to Dome. And you still got Nixon back there. And what you're just trying to do is bridge the gap, get it to the eighth, get it to the ninth, and let – now, Nixon did come in and – you know, hit a few guys. Hit three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you know. here's the thing. He hit them all in the same spot. Well, that's right. He was and in it, his spot. We just got to move the spot, right? Yeah, and it was all sliders too, I think. I think it was all sliders. He got guys in the hip. So the precision was good. The accuracy, <laughs> however, was not what we needed. Well, it, but here's the thing is he didn't blow up. I mean, he, he really he, he got out of it. And so that was the good thing. Well, we went to the pen. Well, that's what I'm saying. He got out of it. Before we went to the <laughs> we, we got out of it. No, but I, that was just him getting back on the mound. I, so, I, I you have to be able to trust Nixon. If I'll say this. If you can't trust him in the ninth, then we're not going to win. No. And, and hey, if that's where we are, then we're in trouble. So, I think the thing with Dome for me is if you haven't used him, you start him. But if you have a win within reach, you got to throw everything you got to get it. And those pitching matchups brought to you by our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence, Mississippi. Of course, making that great Country Pleasing Sausage. You can get the Country Pleasing the Sausage Dogs at all Duty Noble games, and they are fantastic. I usually get one just about every game now. And now that we're on our, uh, our weight loss challenge, Charlie, sometimes I'll, I'll eat it without the bun. 
so you don't uh, cast aspersions my way about how heavily I'm involved in this weight loss challenge. I'm casting no aspersions. So a few years ago, I went to Tyson Lee's house back when Tyson lived in Starville. Okay. He had to have a couple trees cut down, and I took my chainsaw over there, and it was July the 3rd. It was hot. And I cut a couple trees down and almost died in his backyard. Steve Smith, who was his neighbor, who was a compliance director, Steve walked out and was doing nothing but laughing. And I want to tell you something. I sweat a lot that day. I'm talking about it was bad. But nothing compares to hot works. All right. I thought that day was the day that I sweated it all out. But I'm just telling you right now, me going to hot works and doing the rowing for 15 minutes. So let me tell you one of the things I like about hot works. I am I'm, I'm not a fan of like the gym class bully mentality. Right, you know, there you still have those guys in places. I'm always, I have always been in just a little bothered going into places where you work out. You just don't know who's looking at you, you know, when you're not in great shape. I almost used to say to myself, I got to be in shape before I can go to a gym. Right? <laughs> I think there are certain gyms you can go to, you can only go to once you've worked out for like three months to get into that opportunity. Yeah, to be able to fit in, right? The thing that I like about Hotworks is you go in, you've got some privacy. It's very welcoming. It couldn't have been better. And I was a little bit nervous going the first time. And then I saw what it was like, and, man, it's awesome. It, it, it is a really cool setup. I would never, ever pick up a dumbbell or a barbell within 20 yards of Andy Canizero. I wouldn't do a lot of things within 20 yards of Andy Canizero, but that's a much longer podcast probably for the offseason. Okay, so let me ask you this. Two guys that can smoke you, brought to you by our friends at Two Brothers. Who's the first guy that stands out to you this weekend of the guys that can smoke you? You get one, I get one. Who you got? As they say in the gambling world, you know, you could go with the chalk here. And you could go with Shrek or Polk, one of those guys sitting over 300. I'm going with Bradfield. I'm going with Enrique Bradfield, the center fielder. I think a couple of things get lost on him. And I could almost envision that if you're sitting around with Vanderbilt fans, they could be frustrated with a guy like Bradfield who's hitting 247, who gets thrown out some, gets picked off. But I, that guy's a disruptor, man. And I, I – in Major League Baseball, you could go and do the calculations on how many runs a guy saves defensively. This guy saves runs in the outfield. He goes and gets balls that other people don't get. And he leads the league in stolen bases. Yeah, he's been thrown out four, but he's stolen 15. Here's, here's the thing, man. He is he's, That type of player is our kryptonite because here's what he still does. He still gets on base. And if he gets on base, we got problems. So that is my guy who can smoke you. All right, my guy is going to be the catcher, Jack Bulger. You know, he had a really slow start to the season, but everything he hit last weekend against Ole Miss, he squared. I mean, he he was the guy that kind of took the heart of going up there hunting fastball. And Bulger in that lineup, I mean, I know that lineup has not hit extremely well. But if you can get Bulger going, who had a real slow start, if he has a good weekend this weekend and keeps that contagious hitting going, he's a guy that worries you because he's kind of that missing piece in that lineup for Vanderbilt. And, of course, Jack Bulger for me, you've got Enrique Bradfield, 
and those are two players that can smoke you. Brought to you by our friends at Two Brothers Smoke Meets on University Drive here in Startville. If you're coming to the ballpark today, it's a 5 o'clock start here in the game one. Tomorrow, that's a great place to pregame. That's a great place to postgame. Hey, if you're into nightlife, it changes to an unbelievable bar late at night. And so you've got the, the upstairs. It's a great place to people watch. But they've got great wings. Everything on the menu is outstanding. And that's our good friends at Two Brothers Smoke Meats. All right, Charlie, going into the weekend, you got any predictions? Pain. Do you really? Wasn't that the Clubber Lang? The best <laughs> Rocky movie, by the way, was Rocky Three. Four was it, man. No, it, the the best was probably one. I think it actually like won Academy Awards and stuff. The most entertaining was Rocky Three, because not only did you have Thunderlips, the ultimate male, Hulk Hogan, but you had Mr. T who played Clubber Lang. And my favorite is line, they go to Mr. T, a.k.a. Clubber Lang in the movie, and they say, champ, you got a prediction for this fight? And he looks at him and he just kind of snarls at the camera and says, pain. That's my, no. This team, Mississippi State needs a win. I thought coming into this year that sweeps would be rare. And we saw, what, five last weekend, you pointed out. I, I have this prediction. If it should come to pass that this game is a 2-1 game, a 3-2 game, a game that we've got a narrow lead, we are going to empty every bullet in the gun to try to win the game today. There will be, other than Landon Gartman, nobody is off limits. <laughs> that's, that's my prediction is that we're going, to, we're going to throw it all out there tonight. Since I am a glass half full kind of guy, Mm -hmm. All right. I am going to say this. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised in anything that happened this weekend. I would not be surprised if we lost all three games. I would not be surprised if we won two out of three this weekend. I know that's crazy to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen. See, you say you're half full, but your negative scenario that you brought was getting swept, and your positive scenario – was winning two out of three. See, so, so you're not you're not fifty fifty there. I'm just saying you are a glass forty percent full. Okay, if it's forty two percent full, we cannot allow. And there's my point right there. We cannot allow Enrique Bradfield to get on base forty two percent of the time. It just feels like with him, a walk's a double, triple could be, and then things start going wrong. Yeah. Hey, one last comment because you were talking about Bulger. I didn't think Bulger was going to be great controlling the run game. I think it speaks to having a lot of left-handers in your rotation. But, you know, Vanderbilt has thrown out five of 18. That's good. I mean, only allowing 13 of 18 stolen base attempts by opponents. One, people aren't running on them very much. But when you do, yeah, yeah, that's a – in today's game, that's a pretty good, pretty good rate. I'm not sure we'll be able to match them stolen base for stolen base this weekend. Yep. Well, it's a check local listing, check Twitter weekend this weekend. Five o'clock early start today with game one. And then you've got Saturday, Sunday as well. You've got the Ron Polk Ring of Honor ceremony that's going on you know, late in the morning on Saturday. We talked about Tommy Raffo coming back into the town the other night. Tommy's going to be here for his induction. Mark Gillespie, 
And, Charlie, you and I have talked about Mark Gillespie ad nauseum about how he, what a great player he was back in the early 1980s. His 1981 was one of the best seasons. We, we Everybody thinks about Castoria and the 29 home runs, but Mark Gillespie was incredible that year. And then Ken Tatum. Ken Tatum was one of the best players in the SEC when he was here. And so we got a really good class going in this year. No, it's going to be great to have those guys here and hopefully some good weather tomorrow. All right, so there it is, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. Baseball tonight, we think. Tomorrow, we're almost certain, and Sunday, well, who knows. But we will see how this thing unfolds. Bart and I, though, come rain, shine, sleet, snow, we'll be here Sunday morning for Sunday coffee. So we'll talk to you then. <laughs>